Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else in our listening audience. Thank you for joining in to Martial Parts, the only podcast, well, probably not the only, the podcast where we talk about different parts of martial arts. I'm your co-host, Brent Lacey. I'm your other co-host, Nolan Lacey. So this is a, a fairly new show, and by fairly, I mean our second episode. And we are comparing a lot of different things about martial arts. Uh, Brent does a classically Eastern martial arts developed by uh, Koreans from the 1700s, I believe. I study Western martial arts, or HEMA, and study mostly with swords and grappling, and it's from a, a range of about a thousand years in combat history. Uh, also, Brent has been practicing martial arts for 20 years? 22. 22 years. And I have been practicing martial arts for nine months. So there's so there's a lot of juxtaposition here, but basically this is just an excuse for us to geek out on something else for an hour every week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't want to get... Uh, too topical, but um, how how has your training regimen been affected by the recent health concerns? So uh, it actually hasn't been affected by that, but I have had about five weeks of travel for work. So I haven't been able to make it in outside of a couple of classes. Mm-hmm. But I've been I've been trying to do a lot of research and reading on my own, just because I don't want to fall behind. And um, it's. It's led to some interesting observations. We we have a, a four classes that we run on, and I typically only attend two different styles. Uh, yeah. I still do three classes a week. Um, but the one that I go to most is Rapier, and we study Rodolfo Capoferro. And I was looking at his how to fence, like his fencing manual. I, I think the English is something simple like that. It's it's the art of fencing or the, the use of a sword. And his woodcuts have his, not models, but they, they have the people who are demonstrating the technique at the time much more profile, almost fighting like uh, Mario kind of walking. You only see one half of their body, so they're not exposing both their shoulders to each other, mm-hmm. which our instructor does a good job of trying to explain that. But really reading and, and looking at it has made me realize that I, I'm very broad shouldered and I I leave a nice meaty target out by not actually following what the pictures are showing. So it's it's been interesting to actually look at the texts that we're studying a little bit more in depth, having all of this extra time. How has your uh, pandemic time off been treating your school? My pandemic spring break or my... Mm-hmm. Uh, so our classes have been temporarily canceled. I work, f- I, I teach some other auxiliary classes. Uh, some are for the elderly, so those have been canceled. Uh, some have been um, kickboxing classes hmm. at a county rec center, but that's been canceled. Um, some classes are after school to daycare, so that's canceled. So basically, I'm not doing anything <laughs> for sucks. the time being. So we uh, train outside a little bit, but um, not much has been going on, which kind of got me thinking about our, our topic for today. Oh, yeah. Trying that's to stay, stay topical here. So on this show... You know, Nolan and I come from different backgrounds and there are different things to bring to the table, but I think there's nothing wrong with trying to stay a little lighthearted given our current dark, depressing times. <sighs> so what I thought about was, uh, given the contagious nature of everything, let's let's just ramp it up to 11 and talk uh, zombie apocalypse here. Oh, yeah. 
a, a tried and true uh, debate. So based on your martial art, what weapons would you bring for... Is it is it just self-defense in, in zombie apocalypse or is it like getting from point A to point B? So what I was thinking was going through five scenarios and you have to get from A to B or accomplish some type of goal or just survive for a predetermined amount of time. So given that situation, what would you do? What weapon would you like to have? What aspect of your training would come into to play? Um, I think given this is a martial arts podcast, we should preclude firearms from being in the list because otherwise it's, what are we going to do? Oh, shotgun. Yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> Stuck in a parking garage? Shotgun. Trapped underwater? Shotgun. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, why don't you introduce our first scenario then? So the first scenario is you are sitting on your couch in the evening watching a rerun of... What are you watching? Frasier. Frasier, right? The dog's, the dog's jumping, right? Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden, all the windows on the south side of your house crash in with the hands and the moaning uh, going in. So you have to get out of your house to the car so you can evacuate. And time's, time's limited. They will be coming through the doors at some point. Is it like a throng of zombies from door to car? Like, it's just a press of bodies, or is it like... No, they're, they're, they're at the window, so assuming you can get out the door, you can get to the car before they, they get you. I... You might, have to, you might have to fend a few off in, in the house or on the way to the car. I think I would, I would start with a side sword. So side swords were transitional between like long swords or single-handed short swords. They had some of the first complex handles, but they're also long and pointy. So they're they're typically around three feet, a little bit shorter than that. Um, very good at stabbing heads. Typically, you know, we don't wear armor, so it's a little Speak bit. Speak for easier. yourself. I'm hearing full <laughs> plate on my end. Well, I'm hoping the uh, I'm hoping the zombies don't show up in just <laughs> military grade metal armor. Mm. But it's it's lighter, it's easier to use, it's very pointy, it's very effective at that. You can still cut smaller parts of zombies off. Mm -hmm. uh, it's agile, you don't need both hands, so you can open the door, stab someone in the head. So you're saying this is good for this is good for close quarters? It's good for close quarters, but you could still potentially hit like if you're confident, you could lunge at their head from you know, arm's length plus three feet. Mm -hmm. So you could get five and a half feet of distance on something and still if we're going standard night of the living dead zombies and not like 28 days later then yeah i, I would so what, feel summer, confident some are black and white and some are in color like what no, what are you going like, with no some are like wicked fast and kind of scary and don't die the first time you hit them mm. well okay so we're assuming average Brains, adult kinda, yeah. average adult running speed so if, like if you're a hefty boy he's not going to be running super fast after you you know what i mean I feel confident with a side sword. Lots of lots of headshots, which I would feel riskier getting with just bludgeoning. Okay, how about you? Uh, in close quarters, I'm going nunchucks or size. Sticking to some okay. of the... We're going we're gonna to go standard Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles here to start. Uh, nunchucks are good because it's got, it's got the option of the range. Um, if you... 
I don't know how much you messed around with them, but if you if you're holding on to one end and you lean all the way out and let them extend all the other way, like they'll reach as far, if not further, than you can kick. So I'd say a good two and a half, maybe three feet. So you got a little range. But since it's half flexible, half rigid weapon, you can use the flexible part and then bring the range in real close. So you can go from having like a sphere of influence that's like three feet around you to just like six inches. Mm. So if I got to get down the hallway, I can keep this some bitch spinning real fast without doing too much collateral damage or like bouncing off the walls. We've done, exp- uh, not experiments, uh, demonstrations with, <laughs> we've done experiments with nunchucks <laughs> and an army of small aardvarks. At our demonstrations, we'll do board breaks with nunchucks. So you have somebody mm. hold hold the board, so holding the board straight up and down, and you come in sure. and spin real quick, and you can just cleave the top of the, the board right off. So it's surprising how much impact you can get just from spinning it around there. So I think you could easily crack some skulls with it. How much does one end of a nunchuck weigh? Because I think a lot of people, their their only real experience with nunchucks is Bruce Lee in... Game of Death? Game of Death, yes, as we all know. <laughs> um, I'll make it sound like you <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> I, I figured that one out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no game of death when he comes in with the nunchucks, like I think that's pretty much everybody's experience. That's it. That's what people know. And like him playing ping pong, the, you know, you get that deep. So there's something to be said about, you know, the common zeitgeist about this weapon is this one guy who was like the best at it, freakishly better than everybody else. And you're never going to be that good. Like we have points of reference for everything else. Like, sure. I know about, you know, Yingwei Malmsteen on the guitar, but I also know about my neighbor, Jake, who just strums some chords, and <laughs> I can watch that and go like, yeah, I could do that. But like most people, only have ever seen nunchucks with either Michelangelo or yeah. Bruce Lee. So one's not actually real, and the other one is <laughs> quite unattainable. Yeah, I forget what the question is. They're made of wood. <laughs> how heavy? How heavy is? They're one made man? of wood, so they're not they're not too terribly heavy. But you can get them going extremely fast. They're either tied with rope or if you get new ones, there's actually chain attached to ball bearing inside each handle. So you've got this free range so that the chain will never get kinked up, basically. Yeah. Because you got those ball bearings. If I had some time, I would I would I would definitely wait wait the ends of them. So uh size, your other your other choice. Yeah, those are the those are the the ones that look like funky forks, the ones that Raphael uses. Yeah. So again, they're in close. So if we're inside a building I'm going to want that. I think he doesn't switch them around too much on Ninja Turtles, but you can hold them where the, the pointy end is going away from your hand, like you're giving somebody the bird with a big metal middle finger. Yeah. Or you can invert them. And so the long metal spine is against your forearm. And then you essentially have like reinforced forearm to just block. You can absorb baseball bats sort of stuff because you got this big metal bar yeah. on your arm. And then the handle can be a little pokey bit with them. And sure. if you give a good pair, you can flip them back and forth pretty easily. So you can go from overhand to underhand. So you can stab if you need to stab. You can reverse it and block if or you know bash somebody in the in the face or the teeth with your forearm, and you get this big metal bar attached to it. And you can do the pokey bits with the the handles. My only concern with that is you'd have to wear like a, a leather jacket because like taking the the brute force, making sure you're not breaking your arm, would be good. But like getting scratched if you're if you're in that close to where you're worried about breaking your arm 
yeah. you know, bite or a scratch can easily get around that. I, I think all of these scenarios, if we're going to be within melee That's distance, true. we're going to have bodily fluids and contaminants. Mm. We'll go. We'll go closer to Night of the Living Dead rules than Twenty Eight Days Later rules. We're like, okay, not even, just spit. Even like, if they just fart at you, you're going to turn into a zombie. It's got to yeah. be. It's got to be full blown on the ground, Bite. taking some bites out of you. Okay. Okay. I can handle that. Okay. So then I would posit that the next scenario is your first stop. So you've you've which gotten is, into the which car. Which is exactly what mine was. Oh, shit. All right. Cool. Uh, then we're oh, simpatico. Um, it's like we've done this before. <laughs> it's like we've debated zombies before. <laughs> well, uh, so I, was so thinking, you, I was thinking grocery store supplies. You, you got to go to a big building and get stuff. I think the cultural zeitgeist around people not knowing that zombies are a thing in zombie movies. Be like, would, what is that? Right. That man looks sick. <laughs> Come here, sick-looking man. <laughs> I let me give you a kiss. No, sir, we don't serve brains here. Why would you ask for that? <laughs> um, I I think that in reality, especially after stabbing a couple and maybe not killing them, would be a pretty good indicator that this the these are zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I wouldn't go to a retail store. So my first stop would be to like Quick Stop or something. Bodega. Bodega. Uh, just. Everything's out front. It's not going to, like, you're not going in for lots of stuff. You're just going to get past your first couple of days. You're going in for whatever canned meats they have and some, like, beer and soda to keep your your calories up. So I I think a smaller situation like that would be the more pragmatic thing to go to. So what would you use to ensure your safety getting in, grabbing your stuff, and getting out? Of a bodega? Of a bodega. If you're in super close quarters like a gas station, I mean, are, are we assuming there's other people? I, I think it's, yeah, I think that's what we're going for. Because the the way I have it in my head is that most people are going to go to their, their most well-known food source. They're not going to be okay. pragmatic. All right, so if, if that's the case, the guy behind the counter, I'm not concerned with because the bodegas I go to, that's like two inch thick bulletproof yeah, glass. Yeah, He's a zombie now, so he's yeah. stuck back there. Uh, and then the guy doing scratchy lotto tickets, uh, we're talking super, super in close quarters at this point. So we're going to have to go, uh, I'm, I'm afraid we'd have to go hand to hand here. So if you're, if you want to stop a zombie hand to hand, in my opinion, you got to take uh, the knees out. That's one option because if you can't support your body weight, even if they want to come for you, they got to crawl along the ground. Sure. Right. So if you can, if you can get rid of the knees, or just snap the neck, assuming that'll take them out. So you're you're more worried about demobilizing. You're you're not really like you don't. It's probably way easier to snap a knee backwards with a kick than it is to break vertebrae with your okay. hands. Okay. Okay. And I can kick high. I'm not. I wouldn't rely on myself to kick high enough to like kick a zombie's <laughs> head, clean off his zombie body. If you got to go head though. Kansas City Shuffle. What is that? Do you know that one? It's from... It's a Bruce Willis movie. I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, he plays an assassin in the Kansas City Shuffles. When you walk up behind somebody, you put your hand on their chin and their head, and they look one way, and you look the other way. Quick uh, neck snap. What would you do in this level? I think, if that was the case, uh, just, just to be wary... 
Because, you know, I could, you know, I could go the same route and say like, oh, ring and just go in and smack his head into the counter. But I, I just don't think that would be, one, I'm not good enough at that. Two, I don't, I, I think using like a shield, like a rondella. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's, that's a uh, like foot and a half sized shield. It's not your typical like tower shield or kite shield or big ones. It's enough to cover from your collarbones to your belly button. So you have uh, one hand like a bag or a grocery cart or whatever you can grab, whatever you can hold in one hand. And you have your rondella on the other hand and you come. Do you say you're going to hold a grocery cart in one hand? Oh, you mean like as a rolling object? Oh, or like if you can get a basket, like if they have baskets, but I thought you meant like single, single wheeled. A whole yeah, just, cart. Like, yeah. Just swing it over my head. We're going for mass here. <laughs> um, no, no, just whatever, whatever you could hold groceries in, whatever you're actually doing that. So one hand free for shuffling canned meats into and Rondella on the other hand, because any sort of shield punch at HEMA events, you like, that's it. You're done. You're not allowed to fight for the rest. Like, not just in that match. You're done fighting for the event. Um, because you can get so much more force behind something you're holding like that than just swinging a sword. Are you saying if you hit somebody with your shield, you're done? Like, you're yes. disqualified? Or if you get hit with a shield, they're like, oh, you just got hit so hard, we're not even going to let you <laughs> no, compete the rest no, of the day. No, because it's it, the, the former. Uh, so if you, really, even if you touch anybody with your shield, they're so cautious with it that they don't, they think that is irresponsible, that you... So this is like equivalent of eye gouging or biting or right. something. Or... So um, one of the bigger events is Sword and Buckler. Uh, so you have a small shield, it's, you know, 14 inches in diameter, and a single-handed sword. And a lot of the original combos were like, someone's coming up to you, punch them in the chest with your shield, yeah, sure. and cleave them in the collarbone with your sword. So rondellas are a little bit bigger and a little bit more modern, but the same thing kind of applies. So it's it's not just a hand shield. It goes down to your wrist. You have two attachments for it. But you can still do the Captain America, punch him in the nose, mm. and, you know, shatter the jaw. Or you can uppercut him. You can just run into him as hard as you can, and you can, I mean, you can snap someone's neck if you hit them right, like, if you, if you actually get enough force going with it. Yeah. But you can play defense with it real well, so if somebody comes up, you just hit them in the, in the chin and snap their neck backwards. All right, next scenario. station the bodega you've got some snacks okay how would you get through a department store a hardware store and which tools would make the best anal- analogous weapons Ooh, ooh. so you're in okay you're in the store you got to get you got to get to the, the garden section you got nice long aisles you got nice high ceilings you got nice cover. so what are, what are we doing you walk in the greeter's still there the greeter's still a human he doesn't know Ooh. anything's up. He says, "Welcome to Home Depot." And is this assuming like we've we've either broken or expended our previous stuff, and we're at Lowe's as a we're picking up stuff to to secure whatever location we're going to and implements for fighting? No, or you is still this you still got a, you can still have one weapon on you, but you want to you want to stockpile. Um, let's see. Oh God, I guess I you know I would I would go longsword for this. Mm-hmm. Um. Since you're so adamant about having your wide aisles, uh, I want to fight to in have, wide aisles. 
having that uh, sphere of influence because again it's it's four feet and a lot of a lot of what we teach is like those fancy kind of swirly moves they're not just it's not just to look cool it's it's physically like if you come within four feet of me while i'm swinging this you have two and a half pounds of steel that are gonna catch you Mm -hmm. uh people without armor that that can easily cleave an arm off that can cut through your jaw that could you know bleed someone hopefully if it hits them in the head it would it would kill a zombie i'm i'm assuming that if we're running through a store with adrenaline like that'll be enough to to kill a zombie with a, a long sword so i think my first stop would actually be to so like to get analogous tools to help me fight yeah say you got a you got a, a posse with you and they're unarmed what are you gonna oh. arm them with there was only one sword left at the house. Okay, so <laughs> I have the sword, and we have yeah, you have the sword. You got to get people. it. Yeah, uh, we get go to the to the, uh, the wood wood area, and um, the wood. We just everybody wields wood. Whatever, well, whatever their thickest <laughs> dowel is, they just mm-hmm. pick it up, and I just start cutting them into to pikes. Just mm. just cut the tops off of them until there's something sharp. So we just get a bunch of people and whack 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 whack, cut those off. Are you saying that you're gonna stop and? do some woodworking in the lows while this is happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to get my leather apron first. I'm going to tie that on. I'm going to explain to them. Oh, safety goggles for sure. Yeah. You got to explain the value of knowing how to do a craft to everybody before you can mm-hmm. start. And you, you, know, mm-hmm. you really show the type of wood you got to uh, smell the grain, smell the grain. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think you could do that on the fly though. I mean, you could, you could get a couple of them and, and just lop them off and hand them to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the very least you can use them to, push if you're with people who don't have any martial arts experience the very least they can do is just just poke them you just keep Mm -hmm. them back like don't worry about killing them just keep them at a distance Mm -hmm. for there if we if we have three or four people and and we're using a sword to kill zombies and dowels to push them back i would say hopefully we'd have enough uh enough range around us to get whatever we need one person nothing in their hands so that they can go through screw boxes and pick up uh pick up u- tools and items that we need carry boxes you know whatever they have to grab have one person just be the mule mm. okay what would you do <laughs> i want to hear about these wide aisles now no i hadn't really thought it through too much i didn't have i don't have like <laughs> a secret answer it. i just i was just trying to think of all the different fighting areas okay i'd probably want to start with staff or spear just okay. for the range. See, that's what I was going for with the dowels. Was going going yeah. back to to yeah. add some. But I wouldn't want to stick with that. I mean, I have a limited amount of experience with spear, a lot more with staff. But again, it's you're just hitting somebody hard. Yeah, you know what I mean. So like in that situation, I would want to force multiply or some type of blade because you're going to get tired of just clubbing. Like you can club hard, but can you club hard all day? Yeah. So we'd want to go. We'd want to go staff. Preferably a long one. Usually the staffs that we train with in our style don't get much taller than you are long or much longer than you are tall. Sure. Right. So they're, I guess they would qualify as quarter staffs. Okay. The techniques we practice are mainly self-defense oriented. So you're holding the staff essentially in the middle. So you've got your, your you've got your hands that are hold, your hands are about a foot to two feet apart. So and you have another two oh. to three feet on the other side. So you've got the staffs in thirds, basically. You've got okay. a third of it between your hands and a, two thirds on either end of your hands. So like shoulder width and then shoulder width again on either side. Yeah, but you can invert that and then essentially you've got a really long baseball bat. Yeah. So that's what I'd probably go with. Big sweeping 
strikes and then long pokes. And if you have a little pointy bit on the end, even better, because then you can poke somebody from really far away. Yeah. It, I don't know how much you watched like Shotiversity or uh, Lindy Beige or any of those other other YouTube channels that just talk about swords and weapons and stuff. I, I have yet to fall down that rabbit hole because mm-hmm. I'm afraid that when I do... You should be. It's going to be, be just months will be. of that. Yeah. But basically the gist is like every historical movie is inaccurate because like nobody has swords on a battlefield. They're all using spears. Yeah. Like everybody uses spears. Spears are the way to go. So I'd want to start with a long pointy bit. And then, you know, if I get to make some weapons, then yeah, we'll get the dowels and see if we can fashion some spears. I'm very interested in seeing what a manual edger would do. Not an edger, a... Uh, oh, an aerator? Yeah. An aerator. I'm going to go for one of those. Aerate some zombie heads. Because it's like, it's essentially a halberd because you can stab and you can swing. And as long as you hit them with the end, yeah, you've got spikes well, at 360 degrees. You could get that with a, a tree trimmer too because they have, they have saw blades on them. So like you're not just stuck with hitting, hope, hoping you hit somebody with one of the, the little aeration tubes. You could get like a foot and a half, two foot sawtooth blade on the end of a, an eight foot pole uh, a manual like a long manual limb trimmer yeah yeah could i'd be concerned about the serrated teeth getting stuck though but, i think i would want to get yeah that's true or just yeah, not just really garden hedgers money. straight up zombie <laughs> land just like <laughs> <laughs> just going and just snip some heads off see i'd want to get uh like woodworking tools you could you could go get a um not a file but a um a microplane. A microplane. Well, um, not, nice not zombie even that, zest though. on your cocktail. The the one that you knock with a hammer. A chisel. Chisel. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of words. Um, so you can get like a, a two foot long, inch wide chisel, mm-hmm. and like I I don't know if you've ever picked up any of the like fresh chisels, but you can cut your own fingers with them. Yeah. So like, those are heavy short swords essentially. Yeah. And then I suppose if we're in hardware store, we can bend the rules a little bit and go straight up doom and just say like chainsaw. <laughs> and it goes straight for the chainsaws and everybody gets I mean, a chainsaw. It's, it's a legitimate strategy. Mm. Okay. So fourth scenario. Okay. Uh, you have to find a place to shelter. And you have to clean it out. So is this you? The the goal is there is a building full of zombies and I have to clear them out, or I have to? Is this a defensive posture we're taking? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. So it doesn't necessarily even have to be a building. If you have like a campground that you are comfortable with, or a house, a cabin, or something out in the woods, you know, not necessarily. Um, multi-leveled or multi-layered it can be like a a one room get up kind of thing if it's got a door that you're you're happy with so it would be clearing out the initial however many zombies are there so you got to say what kind of place it is and what kind of resistance you're expecting and how would you ensure that the area you have could be defended by the weapon you've chosen this is very specific not necessarily all right, so I've got a small building, and I've got to go through and clear out anybody and then set up shop overnight. Correct. Okay. So if I'm if I'm going through, I imagine it's still 
it's closer quarters because we're in a building again, right? I imagine, do I have people with me or is it just me? We did introduce people in the last scenario. Mm-hmm. So I, I so would I've say- I've got a posse. I wouldn't say more than one full carload though. So mm-hmm. you got, I mean, let's be generous and say four other people. Every, every seat is taken. Mm-hmm. And they're not idiots, so you're not dragging somebody with a bite around. So, okay, so as before, these were other places where, like, I just wanted to get in and out. So I didn't necessarily have to totally destroy all the zombies. It was just incapacitate, slow them down so we can get out. But this is, like, I have to make sure there are no more zombies left in this building. Correct. So for that part, I probably would go Katana mm. or Daishi or, like, Tanto. Any, any of those traditionally uh, slicing oriented blades okay main point for that is i don't have any experience with the pointy kind so all i know what to do is is with the slicey kind okay (laughs) okay and then uh, if you have a shorter blade you're good for in close you know you're not going to run the risk of like getting it stuck in the ceiling or in the wall so you want a shorter two and a half three foot blade maybe and then one of the things that that I have to address when I'm training people with these is they try to use them like they try to use them like axes. When we practice with swords, mm-hmm. they 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 want to hear that that whistle noise, yeah, that swoosh, which really only comes from the tip of the blade accelerating, which means like the whole blade is going to impact your target all at once. Yeah, essentially that's, like an axe. That's not how which, they work. Which could bite into something, but like if you use it as a cutting instrument and you're essentially pulling the blade then you have a whole two feet like the, the analogy i use is like think about when you're cutting a steak at home you have like a two three inch blade how far in can you cut with just one slice right so then multiply that up to like three feet you can just, if you just one pass through that like you can go in a good six inches to a foot with that so that's where I'd want to go because I could. T- I would want to be taken off heads or taken off feet or just like straight up opening zombies up right at the middle. Just like one, I'm thinking one one slice, one kill. Okay. Uh, when are we assuming the this apocalypse happens? Is it like the middle of the night and you wake up to it or it's like the evening and people haven't left work yet? Oh, it's definitely morning. Where the way you found out was you were out get you were out on the the porch in your robe and your slippers and you had your cup of coffee mm-hmm. and uh, you were going to get the newspaper and you bent down to get the newspaper and you stood up and you saw your neighbor across the street Damn. and you're like hey Bob and then he's just standing there with the milky white pupils nothing in the eyes and just real gaunt looking that's when you came inside and they tried to burst through blood. your door. No, that's when you start, you know, you went in and said, hey, honey, I think there's something wrong with Bob. He doesn't look so good. So this this is where we start. We should invite Bob over. We should invite Bob over and see what's wrong. Have you checked in with Bob lately? I heard he was going through some rough times. <laughs> um, see, I would pick a, a chiropractor or doctor's office then. What? Uh, there's going to be medical supplies. Typically, they're in houses. A lot of like smaller practices. Every chiropractor I've ever been to has been in a house that they have turned into a business area. Mm-hmm. But they all have like some kind of medical supplies in there. There's going to be a lot less people and you have the security of a house. Hmm. So it's I not... you could go veterinary office too. Yeah. By that same... Yeah, because you're going to find medical supplies. 
and there's a lot of like honestly a vet's not a bad idea because there's a lot of things to lock up like you could you could use lots of locks there are more things locked up in a vet's office than a chiropractor's office exactly (laughs) (laughs) i mean like i guess it depends on the doctor you're going to too but yeah and I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna address the the defense question because nobody plays a video game where you stand in a room and defend. <laughs> hold hold watch. This is the game where you stand there with the spear and wait for the zombie to show up. You're not playing it's the always, right games. It's always more fun to like I got to charge in and take care of business here. There's lots of defense games. There's a whole <laughs> there's a whole genre of defending things. Anyways, I would probably go. My first reaction is to go short sword. Just do like a sword and buckler. But I think that's that's kind of me assuming that there's going to be a lot of spaces, like a lot of open spaces. Like I'm going to go in, mm-hmm. it's going to be like living room size room in every room, and that's not necessarily the case. So I think I would go with rapier and dagger. There's going to be less people, so I'm uh, I'm assuming less zombies. Uh, if everything's laid out in a hall, and I'm not getting like ambushed from the sides, which hopefully, thinking through this, I would go slow. But if I have a whole hallway to to hit someone in the head, like give me a couple of shots and eventually I'll get there. Like you right. know, if I've got four and a half feet in front of me to to get this guy, like I'm just gonna start poking. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would keep the dagger in hand too because if for some reason they did the uh, the Urukai move from the Fellowship of the Rings and decided to walk down my blade, then you have another another just run blade. straight in. Yeah, yeah, you just stab him in the head. It was such a dick move when the bad guy does that. I know, like, you think you like, won. Come on, like, I'm winning. Come on, can't you just let me have this one? You're so like, cool when you die, too. Like, you had to be cool. You had to make me look dumb. Yeah, so, like, a lot of people that I've seen in, in more simulated kind of anachronistic fights will fight with two rapiers. They'll have rapier and rapier. And um, this one's this one's kind of rapey, but this one's a little rapier. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> we try and not make that joke, and it always comes up. <laughs> but like they'll they'll go up to you know people have a shield wall, and they'll as soon as one of them moves past a certain degree, they just like stab them in the head, and then they you know that person falls down, and then the holes open, and whatever angle they fell towards, they can get the guy next to them. And then once that hole's a little bit bigger, they take a step forward and just stab out to the sides. And, like, watching people peel through a, a shield wall with two rapiers, like, they make quick work of it. So I imagine... It sounds very like uh, Equilibrium. Yes. Yeah, it kind of looks like that. Like, watching some talented people do that, it, it looks like him just clearing out that group when he's mm-hmm. doing the gun kata. And, you know, fucking the eight yeah. guys surrounding him and they all have guns pointed at all his head. All the guns in every direction. Which one way? I'm not even going to look. Yeah. Here, under the leg. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially doing that, but going through hallways. I, I, I imagine that would work best with my set of equipment and skills. Very good. All right. Next scenario. Is this five or six? This is five. This will be five. This is five. So you're on an airplane. Ooh. It's already at cruising altitude, right? Uh, the pilot is safe because they have that locked door, so the plane is still going to land at some point, right? But you've 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 noticed you're in 34B, and the guy across the aisle in 34D, he doesn't look so good. He's starting to froth at the mouth, and he's got blood coming from his nose and his ears, 
And we have no idea how he got through security. <laughs> like, this guy should have sought medical attention. But he's, so he's starting to turn into a zombie on the plane. He's not there quite yet, but he's going to be there soon. And then as soon as it starts spreading, it's hopeless. And unfortunately, although TSA was not on the ball enough to catch a zombie, they did catch you with your sword and buckler before you got on the plane. So all you have are items that are TSA approved to be on the airplane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I think, I mean, we're in full clothes at this point. We're in a, a confined area. I'm not really worried about hurting people if it's going to stop a zombie outbreak. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's not very altruistic, but I would rather punch someone in the back of the head or hurt someone severely than allow a zombie outbreak to happen if I know it's going to. So, I mean, I think the going to hand hand to hand, uh, doing doing some ringing with them because a lot of I feel a lot of newer martial arts is to submission to pain, like what's right. you, pushing past the pain tolerance and, and it's more it's competition. Correct. Whereas ringing was, it, it wasn't just this is going to hurt and you're going to tap out. It, it part of it was like you've offended me and this is justice. So like breaking wrists, breaking forearms, breaking legs, that wasn't frowned upon. That was like, uh, well, you got into a fight. This is the price that you pay to get into it. So a lot of ringing skills, if you if you can get up and grab their collar and underneath their arm, there's a lot of ways that just turning your body, you could you could put his face into the ground three or four different ways. So if I can if I can if I'm able to get into the aisle, get a good stance and like find a way to suplex him, <laughs> snap his neck in a plane aisle, I, I think that would be the most expedient course. But I think uh, just through the confined quarters, suplexing is probably not a good idea. Mm-hmm. So finding a way to get him on the ground and, and break his neck, stomping on the back of his neck, which that, there's a lot of ways to do that, especially if you're sitting down. So grabbing him. Are, are we assuming his seatbelt is buckled? We got to get his buckle off before he starts slapping and biting. Well, I mean, if the seatbelt's on, then we're just going to evacuate the area and let him just stay stupid and buckled in the whole time. <laughs> and the two people if on he... his other side of him are just <laughs> fucked. Well, no, like yeah, we'll, they'll climb over. But if he's stuck, if he's thwarted by a seatbelt, then like, okay, we're, okay, we're done here. So, assuming we see it, we get we get moving into action. Yeah, I think uh, I think a, a trip as long as he lands on his stomach, face down. If I can get onto the back of him, elbows, heels, feet, jumping, like whatever I can do to to get to the back of his neck with force, is that that's what I'm going to do. I would go for one of those Coke cans they have in the uh, carts. Mm. Some type of bludgeoning weapon. Like, what else are you going to hit him with? Your pillow? Your pa- pack of peanuts? <laughs> Nothing. Your, you know what I mean? Your vomit bag? Yeah. They don't. They don't. They only give you like plastic uh, utensils. So, like the the most massive thing I can grab handy, a Coke can, something like that. Yeah. Start bashing away. I was going to say and, a glass or something too, but they're all plastic. Yeah, they're all plastic. So this is why I know my wife Tanvi would survive. Because <laughs> when we started talking about this, my my initial reaction was like, oh, well, he's going to bite somebody and they're going to turn and they're going to bite two people and they're going to turn. So I'm going to need to like barricade myself in the bathroom until the plane lands and the SWAT team can come. And, and she goes, why don't you all just put the one zombie in the bathroom and just keep the door closed until the plane lands? And I was like, Be- uh, 
Well, All right, yeah, that's a pretty good one. Well, I guess it, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> well, it's like, and uh, I would have thought about it after there were like fifty other zombies. Like, oh, we should have put them in the bathroom, but it's too late now. Well, it's like, uh, have you ever seen Train to Busan? Mm-mm. Oh man, oh it's ooh ooh it's a good movie, but it's about a it, you know there's like a zombie outbreak that is happening simultaneously in a bunch of places, but the the whole movie is set on a train and how they like move from car to car to get away from it. And part, mm. you know, part of it is like locking all the zombies into one car. It's a good idea until somebody's conscious takes over or like mm-hmm. somebody sees a dead relative and decides to open the door. Sure. So like, sure. It, I guess if they're alone and nobody knows them, sure. But if it's like a kid or a dad or a wife or something. Oh yeah. When we introduce the human element, yeah. we're fucked in every one of these scenarios. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can't let emotions get into this. <laughs> So to bring this full circle, I think my last or my last question here, and we'll both take turns here, is assuming zombies don't fall under the normal rules of pain compliance. Mm. In other words, a pain lock is not going to do it. You have to physically immobilize or use it as leverage to move said zombie into, I don't know, the lawn chipper or whatever it is. What's your what's your your ace your your nuclear resort last ditch effort i don't have any weapons they're right on top of me i got to get them off and get to the the next health pack or whatever it is so while you're thinking i'm going to go through mine and i want to hear what yours is and i think that might be all we have time for today okay so i would go i would try to go with standard uh starting with standard arm bar uh and and an over arm bar. So arm bar is you have control of the hand and you are pinning that to your body and applying pressure to the elbow. So kind of hyperextending the arm. Mm-hmm. And over arm bar means that I'm, I'm pushing down onto that elbow joint. Okay. So I'd want to have control there. So just mechanically keeping their their shoulder blade in front of you. Yes. So you you are the center and their whole arm is the moment arm, if you will. And what you do is a back step. So the foot that's furthest away from them, you take a, a small step behind your own foot so that you can unwind with your hips. So basically, you're just transferring energy. You're doing a small, in tight turn with your hips. And then you have this long moment arm. So they're going to go much faster. And if you angle it into the ground in a spiraling down motion with a big turn, you can slam their head down into the the ground still have control of the arm and then as soon as the head's down at stomping and kicking distance then you can go to town from there but that keeps it keeps all teeth away mm-hmm. keeps them outside i'm on the outside line there's no teeth coming in i've got control of the one arm so there's no scratches coming from there and hopefully they'll go fast enough around me into the ground that the other arm can't get around and take a swipe so how, how many are we talking about dealing with? It's just a, a couple. You just have to immobilize them and get them away. Mm-hmm. So there is a step in the OTS manual, O-T-T-S, called the winning step. Well, I would definitely go with that one. I know. And it's it's like... Did he publish like the losing <laughs> step or like the almost the second place step? No, it's it's called the winning step because if you are able to pull it off at speed you have taken them off of like their feet are off the ground. There's nothing they can do to counteract this unless they get some like crazy momentum. 
but the the leverage that you put on this slows their momentum and speeds yours up. So it's one of those things where they're kind of dead in the water until you put them where you want them. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm assuming they're doing the the straight out kind of Frankenstein zombie walk where they're, mm-hmm. they're just coming for your brains. So a really fun way to get into this maneuver is as they come and if they have their arms straight out, you use your so whatever your outside arm is, you use that to direct their hands above you. Use your inside arm to grab their waist so that you can get your inside shoulder onto their hip. Mm-hmm. So once you get your shoulder onto their hip and your head like on their back, you should have your inside foot behind you. So you're kind of setting up like you're, you're tackling someone. Uh, you have your outside foot in front of you and your inside foot behind you. Does that make sense? Yep. No. So the how you want to look, if you're looking directly at the zombie, their arms are facing your eyes. Mm-hmm. You will see my, uh, I'm going to say I did this from their left. I'll have my left shoulder on their- Your starboard shoulder. My starboard oh, shoulder. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have my left shoulder on their left hip. I'll have mm-hmm. my left leg behind me, my right leg directly behind them. And I'll have my right arm wrapped around the far end of their belly. So I'll be making a gable grip around their waist. What you want to do is replace your right foot with your left foot real quick. So that stands you up. That pushes Mm. their legs to your right. And that like makes them into a horizontal plane almost. But because you're swinging your entire body, you're using them as leverage to swing, you know, however much you weigh onto your other foot, if you can do that real quick, you can get into a suplex. You can get into just throwing them. I mean, like, the guy you demonstrated on me was quite a bit heavier than me. He did this at speed the first time, and I went, like, five feet. He just, like, nice. I, I was just going to say, if, if you, you know, it's a slow ambling zombie, you just, you push their arms out, you grab their hip, you pick them up, and, you know, if you are looking for expediency, you just, you drop them as hard as you can, stomp on the back of their head but if you have some time maybe suplex them if you have the wood chipper available maybe just jump <laughs> into the wood chipper so while i hope that our show reaches people who are also interested in martial arts i'm equally hopeful that it reaches people who are just exploring this for the first time yes and just want to know like maybe what to start to study who have no background in any martial arts or self-defense and i would love 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 if one of those people drew a picture of what they thought we were (laughs) describing and sent that in to see how good we are or bad we are at describing a (laughs) three-dimensional entanglement of limbs that would be oh my god that would be such a good thread of art to start (laughs) just like every episode people submit art of just like i think this is what you described (laughs) like wait a second why do i have three three arms (laughs) (laughs) on the one arm you're gonna have here the other arm's gonna here and the gripping hand is gonna be under their leg (laughs) oh man that's some deep sci-fi cut right there man Well, I I think we've done a good job explaining. I, I think I think if the zombies ever come, we will be able to talk them into their grave with 
our our background on what we would do <laughs> if we had to. We're gonna have very threatening explanations for sure. Exactly. I, I don't yeah. think zombie. Let me tell you why you're gonna go down. Yeah. First of all, you don't yeah. know it yet, but it's gonna mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. If you've made it this far, uh, we appreciate you listening and hope that you tune in for all of our other shows. Yep. Uh, I'm finding more and more that, uh, Brent, you and I have some very specific tastes and not only interests, but humor. But if you find all of this funny, we have uh, several other shows at finalplank.com, which you should absolutely check out. Why aren't you there already? Exactly. How did you find us if you weren't already at Mm -hmm. finalplank.com? We appreciate every listen on every show. You can find us at Twitter at finalplank, on Instagram at finalplank. Brent, you have the Facebook also final plank also final plank so yeah thanks for watching and watching <laughs> i'm not there thanks, yet thanks for listening i've been your uh, eastern martial arts expert brent and i have been your western martial arts amateur nolan lacy and we'll catch you next time bye bye
Well, uh, actually, my most recent martial arts class was uh, one of your classes, ironically, oh. not taught by you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You were up here for our GalaxyCon uh, panels, and you were able to swing by the, the studio, but unfortunately, yeah. I was not teaching that day. We did a whole bunch of stuff that uh, I believe it's uh, your your highest ranking black belt. Am I correct? Mr. Haywood? Yes. Yes. Uh, he, I mean, he's, he's a great teacher. He did everything really great. I, I enjoyed the class immensely. It was really good. Uh, but he said everything in Korean. I, I think he was kind of assuming that you and I had done similar research or similar talking because hmm. he didn't, he didn't pull any punches for me. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it that way. He's probably so, just showing off. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> he was also studying for his uh, third degree. He's, he's testing for, for he's testing for his third degree, assuming that yeah. we are still allowed to meet in groups Test and have beef. tests. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I mean that's a tentative thing right now. Yeah. So we went through the we did a bunch of stuff. So we did a lot of warm ups. We did a lot of techniques of just you know this is this is the first type of block that we're working on. This is the first kind of punch. This is the, the first kick. This is a piercing kick. This is a roundhouse kick. We're going to do, uh, you know, chops to the head and this is where you want to aim. And like, you know, he's doing body mechanics and lots of similar things to what we study in HEMA, which was really cool to see the similarities. Mm-hmm. And then we did one step sparring. One step sparring. Il, il susik derian is the Korean yeah. term. I'm sure. But one okay. step sparring. Uh, he, he ran us through the first, I think I only got through three of them, but we were trying to get through the first six, I believe, was the yeah. number that he said. And that, that again, was very similar to what we do in Rapier because we run through most of what you're going to see in a fight is in these techniques. So like Rapier, we we do a lot of Capoferro again. Uh, so a lot of cavaziones, a lot of parries, a lot of redirects, things like that. But the longer you're in a fight, like people might be using these these crazy techniques, but they all boil down to these eight things. Like you can do this long step where you're doing passing steps and you're thrusting and you're trying to gain and you're doing all of these different things. But it all boils down to these essentially eight techniques that you're looking at. And that's what the one step sparring felt like was Mm. somebody throws a punch. This is how, this is the quickest response to incapacitate them. Someone throws a kick. This is the way you block it and you get into their defenses. And, and again, just like two different types of martial arts from different hemispheres. Uh, honestly about the same time, I guess the, um, the, the Capoferros in 1600s. And I know the Tang Soo Do martial arts started in 17, I mean, there's, it's, there's wasn't, it wasn't like a, it, yeah. it wasn't like a, we have it today, but we didn't have it yesterday. True. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. One thing about one steps. So there's to, to earn your black belt, you have to proficiently demonstrate 30 of those with your hands, 30 with your feet cool. and then 30, uh, grappling. Somebody's grabbed you in this position. What do you do? This position, what do you do? And there's, I've heard debate before about people who are like, why would you practice 90 techniques? instead of just getting good at one technique or, or three techniques or something, which has some merit to it. Uh, if you look at Korean gumdo, they only practice three moves, the whole thing, all of it. It's just three moves. So there's something to be said for that. But then what I found out after training for a while is like, the, these are all set up. Each time you practice these, it's against an exact same attack. It's all a punch to the face. So it's 30 moves about getting away from a punch to the face. 
But what we you've, what I found out practicing it more is like, obviously, you're not only going to ever defend against a punch to the face with somebody's right hand. Right. Like there's different setups. And then once you start saying, okay, well, what if he hits me with his left hand? Or what if there's a kick and there was a step over here? Like what, you know, all the actual variables in a fight, then I've got all these inputs, all these, all these, all these variables. And now, oh, look at that. I've got 90 different moves to pull from. So you've got things to match in other scenarios. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a sequential argument in my mind. It's like, yeah, you want to get really good at the basics, but after a while, you also want to know like a lot of what ifs, like what if this is happening or what if that's happening? And that's something I, I harp on at any um, seminar I ever do. If I ever do a self-defense seminar where we're doing, you know, you're going to get two hours of self-defense training, right? Like everything you need to know, quote unquote, in two yeah. hours, yeah. right? <laughs> People always ask a lot of what ifs. And I always preface my seminars with don't ask me what ifs because like I have an answer to your what if, but all you're going to do is ask me another what if after that. And then all we're going to yeah. do is sit here for two hours doing what ifs. So we'll do, you know, <laughs> somebody's doing a crosshand wrist grab. How do you get out? Like, well, what if they grab you with the other hand? Well, then you would do a double crosshand wrist grab reverse. Like, well, what if he punched you, he went to punch you with the other hand said, well, then you would block and transfer. Like, it's like, stop asking me what ifs. Like, <laughs> there's a thing to do, but like, you're not learning anything by just asking me. But what if there's two of them and one of them's got a knife and the other one has a rattlesnake, but it's like a jump rope rattlesnake? He's going <laughs> to... He's got to smack you with it first and so then Venom. I just preface them all like, no what ifs. Don't ask me what if questions. We don't have time for that today. Um, but with the with the one steps, there's so many of them. Once you start playing with all of them or doing them backwards or reverse mm. or you know do the right-handed defense against a left-handed punch or switch to the inside or outside line. You guys cover that terminology, inside line, yeah. outside line? Oh, yeah. yeah. So That's like really important, for of, especially rapier. Of the 30 we do, some of them are defenses to the inside. Some of them are defenses to the outside. And then what you can do once you get good at them is take a defense that's normally to the inside and then apply it to the outside. Mm. So now your angles are much bigger and the targets on the person are much different. And you can do that with left-handed and right-handed attacks. So like every possible scenario, you can go through like four different sub-scenarios with. I mean, that's interesting that you you bring up the inside-outside line because in in sword fighting long sword i feel it's a little less important and again you know i i only have like nine months experience in this but it, it seems like if you can get to someone's outside they can just mutate and around it so like if you they know if, what? if you mutate around it mm. so if they you know if you come in with a real strong strike you've gotten their outside they've they've over committed to a swing you think that you're going to get their ribs or something uh, if they're able to come up and defend it again, all they have to do is is rotate around your blade. And if they can land a hit, what I'm getting at is like inside outside doesn't really matter because there's a lot you can do. Whereas rapier inside outside line is like totally game changer. Mm -hmm. If you can, if if you have one shot that you know you're really good at, if you're good at gaining their outside line and then thrusting past whatever defense, you want to work towards getting the outside line. So you're constantly trying to move to their left. You're constantly trying to get on top of their blade. You're working to do that technique that you're good at. And pretty much everything is mirrored. So you can, 
you know, a lot of the techniques we start with is you practice a cavazione when they've gained your inside. You practice a cavazione when they've gained your outside. You practice a parry when they're moving to your inside. You practice a parry when you're moving to your outside. And you would think all of that would get reversed when they change hands. So if I'm fight, you know, if we're two right-handed fighters and we're going at it, you'd think it would be the exact opposite if they're left-handed and I'm right-handed. Mm-hmm. But it's not. And, and that's not how you go into a fight thinking like that. If you're fighting a lefty as a righty and you're just expecting like, well, I'm just going to change my, I'm just going to reverse my pressures and, and change my techniques. Like they'll poke holes all and up and down your right side. So it's weird. I think because sword fighting is such an asymmetrical sport that it doesn't apply the same as it sounds like it does doing one step fighting for, for your sparring. Like if you can, change it from left to right and it's just repositioning your hands that that sounds i mean that sounds a lot more useful <laughs> well but statistically <laughs> it's going to be against a right-handed person true so it's not completely bilaterally symmetrical like you want your tech like a, a left a, a, a technique that works against a right-handed attack will also work against a left-handed attack but in a different way Mm-hmm. And your follow up's gonna have to be different because, like, if I am, if yeah, I'm, if you, I'm a left handed person, yeah, yeah, and I'm hitting you with my right hand, it's because I'm gonna follow up with my left hand. If I'm a right handed person and I'm hitting you with my right hand, that was my follow up. That was the, that was True. the power move. Yeah. But so let me ask you this: Do you know your left and your right? Yes, I think the I think the cameras making it look. No, no, like no, 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 no. Yeah, I know the cameras are funky. You get the mirror image. I'm asking <laughs> you personally. <laughs> yes, I do know my left. Because something right. that I've 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 struggled with in all of my classes, whether it's a Qigong class or kickboxing or my traditional martial arts, is like when you teach a child, put your left foot back. They have to look down and make the L's with their fingers, <laughs> right? Yeah, because okay, they don't know yeah. yet, and then yeah, eventually sure. they get it. But then if I am training somebody who's new, who's an adult, they also don't know their left and their right but don't check with their fingers or just that you have to think real hard that well no it's just wrong it's just like like <laughs> use your left hand and they pick up their right hand i'm like no 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 your other left hand or when we run drills we always start right foot back in a fighting stance so you're bladed with your right foot back yeah and what i i try to keep my directions pretty simple so we just say like with your lead hand you're going to do x with your rear hand, you're going to do Y. I'm assuming that they know that the foot that's in front is your lead side. So that hand is also your lead side. And I've had multitudes of people Ugh. will start in a fighting stance and then start with the cross hand and follow up with the jab and then get confused and frustrated because it's not working. But it's like, it, it, it it's, it's almost as if if you don't, you haven't done any type of sport that requires that proprioception. Yeah that you just have this mental disconnect between like left foot, right foot, left hand, right hand. And like, if my foot does this, then my hand also does this sort of thing. Just like body awareness. So to be fair, having rode for as long as I did, uh, just a little backstory on me. I rode for like, I guess I technically could still row. For, for the listening I, audience, you mean R O W E D, not R O A D. Yes, crew with a, with an oar or R O D E. Yeah. Right. The all the directions are in starboard or port, 
and you're backwards, so your starboard is the wrong starboard because you're facing the wrong direction. So for a couple of years, left and right were starboard and port, but they were the wrong starboard and port because I'm not facing the right direction. So you didn't get it right like the rest of us who also don't get starboard and port right. Correct. Yeah. No, so like I would, I would, people would say like, oh, starboard. And I'd, I'd take a left turn and they're like, what are you doing? It's on the right. Don't you, know you row, you're, asshole? Yeah. They're like, you are starboard. And I'm like, but I don't face the right direction. I'm constantly facing stern. Um, and I think that's kind of bled into it. I, I don't typically get left and right mixed up if it's my body like if i'm doing something and someone says left hand i can do left hand and they you know i I can differentiate but driving i fuck that up all the time savannah will say i gotta take a left turn and i will turn my fucking blinker onto the right like without fail so i think i've done it class a couple of times but it's typically because we've changed who's operating Mm mm-hmm um, you know, someone will say left foot and I'll think I'm the operator and I'll put my left foot forward, but that was wrong because I'm, I'm the opponent now just situational things, yeah. but it's, I'm also very goofy. So I make a big deal out of it. It's something that I hadn't really considered that just on a, in, in addition to the, the martial skills, just like the body awareness that like, I just took for granted that like, if somebody says do X, Y, Z on your left side, I can immediately differentiate that sort of stuff or like picking up or like picking up dance moves. You know what I mean? It's yeah. got nothing to do with martial arts, but it's, it, it's just using your body. Um, and I just kind of assumed like, can't you all do that? But then I, I've had, <laughs> I've had plenty of adults, like just something simple. Like we're going to do a combination of like left jab, left jab, left jab, right jab, left jab, just like kind of a, you know, one, one, two, one, two back and forth sort of pattern. Yeah. And then can't do it. Ooh. Just get, just get, Totally, totally boggled. The one place that it does still get me is when we do any type of uh, grappling or hapkido, things like that. Mm-hmm. You've got not only the left and right, you got this duality of left and right. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, but then you've also got torquing motions, circular torquing motions. Yeah. And it can be in the x-axis or the y-axis or the z-axis, depending on like, did you... If which, you want to... Where do you yeah, put their you elbow want... and their shoulder and their wrists? And now you've got like three articulating joints and then all three axes that those. Yeah. You can try to bend them. Then yeah, it just so... gets a little crazy when you're trying to listen and do it. Ringing is um, it's pretty much all three points of contact. So if you have someone's bicep in one hand, somebody's tricep in your other hand, you have to get a third point of contact. So like putting a leg behind somebody's leg. Quadcep. Or... Yeah, yeah, quad set. Quad set. Um, or your hip, or you know, getting getting a lower point of contact. So those those first two are your leverage. But if you put your left foot behind their left foot or your right foot behind their left foot, that that changes your move set. Mm-hmm. I think you were you were talking about this earlier. Depending on where you are, where their feet are, which side you have facing towards you because you can you can do some funky things where you have you know typically you want to be parallel so you want your chest to be parallel to their chest so that you can get a hip throw in or that you can push them on their butt or you can pick them up and get around them or whatever you're trying to do but there are some funky things where you can reverse that to where you're almost perpendicular and like thread their arm over your arm and like you put your whole body under their 
armpit and like you make that three point of contact your neck your arm that you thread over their stomach and your hip that you put on their hip and then you just thread them over your your hip this is where i feel like podcast is not the best medium for yeah that's that's (laughs) a very visual thing but like Typically, what you want to do is not thread that arm. You want to keep them perpendicular, and then you just get your your shoulder under their stomach, and you just, you know, you either pick them up or you push them down, or you, you know, you have full advantage then. But yeah, if you if you're putting the wrong arm in the wrong place, and and you're not realizing that it's the wrong arm based on what they're telling you, if you're in the wrong situation, that you could break that arm. Yep. I mean, it's it's especially in a martial arts setting, it's very important to know like. To, to have a good read on your body and be able to react to external stimulus correctly. And if it's a zombie, they're not going to care about a broken arm. Exactly. They're not going to give a shit. They're not going <laughs> to... 